Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, a consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book, Men Alive. Dr. Jim. Paul, is it ever right to tell a lie? That sounds like a loaded question, Jim, and since I've known you for over 60 years, I'm sure you have a good reason for asking. I went online and found an amazing variety of answers to my question. In the Tamil or Hindu writings, one verse says, It is perfectly okay to lie if the lie results in a good. Another writer said, A small lie that harms no one and makes someone happy is perfectly morally acceptable. So rather than quoting other views, I'd like to review some biblical principles. In Exodus chapter 1, Joseph and his brothers died, but their descendants multiplied so greatly, they filled the land and became extremely powerful. Eventually, a new king came to power who was concerned about this potential threat. So the king proposed a plan to make the Israelites slaves and wear them down with crushing labor. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied. So Pharaoh gave an order to the midwife named Shipra and Pua, When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. So, Paul, my brother, let me ask, did the midwives lie? Perhaps there is the possibility that what the midwives said was true and the Hebrew women were quicker in their delivery. But scripture says the midwives feared God and refused to obey the king's orders. So they were disobeying, perhaps even lying, to save the life of a baby Hebrew boy. And they were willing to suffer any consequences received for their actions. Okay, here's another story in the Bible, this time about Rahab the prostitute in Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua secretly sent two spies from the Israelite camp at Achaia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, Some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they went. Okay, Paul, did Rahab lie? This one is pretty clear. She hid them on the roof and then said, I don't know where they went. They left town at dusk. But to save the life of Hebrew spies, she was willing to suffer any consequences received for her actions. Rahab knew the Lord was on Israel's side. Scripture says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. 
We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. So Rahab said, Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Rahab and her family were spared death by protecting the lives of the spies. In Deuteronomy 30:15, Moses says to the children of Israel, I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. Oh, that you would choose life. And then he adds in verse 20, This is the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The recurring principle seems to be Choose life and save a life, even if it means harm for us as an individual, even if it means risking the consequences of telling a lie to save a life. You are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham. For a copy of this message or a PDF of edition number three of our book, Standing Strong Through the Storm, Contact Dr. Jim at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Dr. Jim would be so encouraged to hear from you today, so please contact him at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Your encouragement is vital for the continuation of this program. So, Jim, what if someone asks you, why wouldn't you obey the government authorities if you were in a situation like the midwives or Rahab? Good question. We are under obligation to obey our government authorities, provided the law does not disobey scripture or cause an innocent person to die. Paul teaches in Romans 13, 1-7, that no governmental power exists without God's permission. But a secular government does not have all authority. We are taught that our responsibility to the government includes being submissive, obeying the laws, doing good, respecting those in authority, being peaceful and friendly, praying for those in authority, and not speaking against them, and paying our taxes. When Jesus taught, give to God what is God's, in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, he recognized that some areas of authority belong uniquely to God. If human governments attempt to usurp this authority and infringe on those areas reserved for God, the believer must then obey God rather than those in control. This concept is taught by word and example throughout the scriptures. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to obey the king's order in Babylon to worship the golden image. Daniel refused to obey the king's order that he should not pray. Peter and John refused to obey the ruling council's directive not to preach about Jesus. Paul disregarded a city ordinance when he left Damascus in a basket over the wall to escape, the ones who were trying to murder him. Paul witnessed to his military guards in Rome, although Christianity had been outlawed. It is important to note that this disobedience came only as rulers moved from the realm of civil authority into the realm of worship and obedience to God. We must be careful of Peter's warning in 1 Peter 2:15-16 not to use our Christian freedom to justify evil. 
there appears to be a biblical inference that saving a life is a higher value than admitting information that would lead to the death of another person. Jonathan's life was spared by soldiers who disobeyed King Saul. As the story is told, Saul had decreed everyone was to fast that day. Jonathan was away and missed the command, but he revived his energy with some honey. King Saul, his father, was furious. Tell me what you've done. So Jonathan told him, I merely tasted a little honey with the end of my staff, and now I must die? Saul said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if you do not die, Jonathan. But the men said to Saul, Should Jonathan die? He who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? Never. As surely as the Lord lives, not a hair of his head will fall to the ground. For he did this today with God's help. So the men rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Stories told in 1 Samuel 14. This is a classic example of civil disobedience to save a life. What if we are required to deny our faith to retain our rights to live as a citizen within a region? How should we then respond? Here are eight principles of civil disobedience. First, wisdom. Pray thoroughly for wisdom before engaging in any form of peaceful civil disobedience. Scripture says the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Ecclesiastes 7.12. Second, biblical. The issue that we are protesting must have a solid moral foundation. Scripture in Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. Third, last resort. Civil disobedient protests come only after appropriate legal appeals. Acts 25.11, Paul said, If I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Paul appealed to Caesar as a last resort. Number four, exposing error. Cause the authorities who make the rules to see the error of their position. If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great errors to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Ecclesiastes 10, 4-5 Our responsibility is only to expose the error, not to try and control the authorities. Number 5. Peaceful Our demonstrations and actions must be without violence, even though responses by observers and authorities may be harsh or excessive. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone, says Proverbs 25.15. Number six, be passive. Protesters are like sheep or lambs among wolves. Protesters are without voice or violence. Luke 10.3. Number seven, public. Capitalize the time and effort by obtaining maximum public awareness and media exposure. Proverbs 12.27 says, The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. Make sure your efforts at civil disobedience gain the maximum amount of exposure and awareness by the public. Number eight, accept the results. We must count 
the cost, with glad acceptance of any subsequent results, including arrest, penalty, imprisonment, criminal records, expulsion, or even death. For your sake, we are put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Romans 8.36 The bottom line for any form of response to immoral, unbiblical legislation can be summed up in Jesus' words to his disciples. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Matthew 10.16 There you have it, men. Be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. For a free PDF copy of the third edition of our book, Standing Strong Through the Storm, contact Dr. Jim at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. Visit our website at goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, reminding you that Jesus said in Luke 6.40, the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Our goal as learners is to become men alive, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our master teacher. Music